This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises fulfilled in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our wills to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. On Friday at 11 p.m., the United Kingdom left the European Union. I am no longer a European citizen. It seems that half the UK is rejoicing, and the other half is lamenting. To commemorate this historic departure, the Royal Mint released 10 million new 50 pence coins, stamped with the date 31st of January 2020. And on the front of the coin are inscribed these words, peace, prosperity, and friendship with all nations. One newspaper published a parody of the coin, which reads, isolated, worse off, weaker, and divided. The UK is a deeply divided nation, longing for consolation. Here in the United States, this past week, we have seen our president on trial in the Senate for high crimes and misdemeanors. And though this is expected to end with an acquittal next week, few would disagree that the U.S. is also a deeply divided nation, longing for consolation. On Tuesday, President Trump stood shoulder to shoulder with Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu to announce the deal of the century, a proposed peace plan for Israel and Palestine. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas dismissed the plans as a conspiracy. The peoples of Israel and Palestine are also deeply divided, longing for consolation. In the midst of ever more polarized politics, we long for civility and decency. In the face of charges of abuse of power and corruption, real or alleged, we long for justice, a righting of wrongs, the punishment of the wicked, and freedom for the oppressed. Closer to home, we all know families, friends, loved ones who are deeply divided. As we ourselves or those whom we love are ravaged by disease, addiction, broken relationships, or death, we long for consolation. This morning, in the light of the very real sense of desolation that so many feel, the scriptures speak to us of the consolation that has come, the consolation that is available to us. 
Today is the feast of the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. And each of our scripture passages proclaim the consolation and hope for which we are longing. In Malachi, the prophet speaks of the day of the Lord's coming, of a time when the Lord of hosts will come as a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap, he will come to cleanse and refine God's people. He will bring justice. In Psalm 84, the psalmist longs to be in the courts of the Lord. He declares, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of ungodliness. And then in Luke's gospel, we encounter two wonderfully faithful elderly saints, Simeon and Anna, longing for consolation, justice, and redemption, and seeing their longings fulfilled. And in our reading from Hebrews, the writer tells us how it is Jesus who is able to console and help us because he himself was tested by what he suffered. He is able to help those who are being tested. The wonderful, vital, and contemporary message that we as Christians have to share is that Jesus is our consolation. And by consolation, we're not talking about it in the sense of winning a consolation prize as something to placate us for not winning a running race. No, the word consolation in the scriptures means the antithesis of desolation, the very opposite of despair. It's about comfort, real comfort, given to someone who suffered greatly, someone who suffered great loss. It's a, it's a powerful word that can speak to us even in the face of despair, or divorce, or betrayal, or loneliness, or abandonment. So this morning I want to dig into how this is true and how this consolation changes everything. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple. And in one sense, this scene is very mundane. It's very ordinary. A young, poor Jewish family were doing what every devout Jewish family would do. Mary was presenting herself for purification after childbirth according to the law, and she and Joseph were presenting their six-week-old, or nearly six-week-old son, Jesus, for dedication to the Lord. This takes place 40 days after the birth of their son, and this feast day, therefore, always takes place on the 2nd of February, 40 days after Christmas. It just so happens that this year it falls on a Sunday, and I'm excited to preach on these passages. When Mary... Joseph and Jesus get to the temple, that which was so ordinary, very quickly became extraordinary. There are two people there at the temple, an old man called Simeon and an old woman called Anna. I love this scene. Joseph and Mary with the infant Jesus and these two devout, faithful perhaps even wizened, elderly people. And Simeon shares in the joy 
of seeing and holding and blessing this baby. We're not told whether Anna got to hold the baby. Well, I I hope she did. But I love the fact that we have this picture of the young couple, the new baby, and these two elderly people right here in the Gospels. And as I think of our own church family, what a blessing and a joy to have so many little ones at Ascension. You know, in the last 10 months, 13 babies have been born to our church family, and there are at least nine, at least that I know of, on the way. And what a blessing also to have among us older folks. We need one another. We need to see the hope and experience the consolation. We want our old people to see again and again the glory of the Lord before they rest in peace. We want our young people to be encouraged and cheered on by these older saints. If you've been coming to Ascension only for the last year or three or ten, it can be easy to take certain things for granted. But you know, 40 years ago, this church didn't look anything like how it looks today, with barely a hundred people in these pews and almost no children. Today, most weeks, we have more than a hundred, and we are growing. We have hordes of kids, a parish hall that frankly isn't big enough. We've got often 50 retired folks attending ours each month. We've got 100 internationals learning English. These are things to celebrate. This is, if you like, a glimpse of what consolation looks like. We get to experience the consolation that folks before us quite literally prayed for. We are seeing their longings fulfilled in our day. We are more than these stones. We are a people chosen to be a light to the nations, called to welcome our neighbors and reach the nations with the good news of God's salvation. And this is a high calling, and it's tough work, and we need one another, every age, every generation. But before I get too far down a sidetrack, I want us to get back to the scripture and notice the joy of Simeon and Anna. Because it goes way beyond the ordinary joy that we get when we see a new baby or we belong to a growing church. Simeon, Luke tells us, was righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. He was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Well, what does that even mean? Well, it means he was looking forward to to the day when the longings of a nation of a dispossessed people, would see their Savior. He was longing for the day when a broken people would find help and healing. The Holy Spirit, we're told, had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the promised one, the Messiah. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, on that particular day, Simeon goes to the temple at precisely the time Joseph and Mary Come in with Jesus. Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and praises God. Actually, he pretty much bursts into song. I'd love to know whether he was actually singing or just remembering and rehearsing the words from the prophet Isaiah. If you say evening prayer or Compline from our prayer book, 
you will recognize these words in verses 29 to 32 as the, what we call the nunc dimittis, literally in Latin meaning now dismiss. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. That's us. Well, Mary and Joseph were amazed at what was being said about their baby. But in case we may think that consolation is somehow a sweet, sentimental, or syrupy thing, it's not. True consolation, the consolation that Jesus brings, is costly, and it cuts to the very core of our beings. After Simeon, bless them, he turns to Mary and he says, verse 34, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. What a cutting thing for Mary to have to hear. Israel's consolation and the salvation of the Gentiles will not be, Simeon was saying, without great cost. Jesus will bring truth and light and love. And in so doing, those who encounter him will face a crisis of decision. In the decision to follow Jesus or reject him, there is rising or falling, there is life or there is death. We are either moving, this morning, all of us here, we are either moving towards God in Christ or apart from Christ, we're moving away from God. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our consolation. And he is also a stumbling block to those who will not believe. As Jesus brings light so he brings into sharp relief the darkness of this present world. The price of overcoming the darkness is paid by Jesus himself in his death on the cross. So alongside this being an occasion of great joy and celebration in the temple that day, Luke reminds us that this is also a story about suffering. Bishop Tom Wright says of this scene, Simeon is waiting for God to comfort Israel. Anna is in touch with the people who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. They're both living in a world of patient hope where suffering has become a way of life. It now appears that God's appointed redeemer will deal with the suffering by sharing it himself. This is what happens when the kingdom of God confronts the kingdoms of this world. Mary will look on with grief-stricken dismay as her son grows up and is rejected by the very city and the very people he came to save. And Luke is clear to point out that the work of Jesus, our Redeemer, is by no means limited to Israel. All the nations will see 
what God is unveiling. God's plan of salvation, Jesus coming as the consolation of Israel, is and always has been a plan for the nations and the consolation and redemption and rescue and salvation of all who will follow Jesus. This wasn't what was expected. But this is what true revelation and glory looks like. This beautiful, powerful, poignant picture in the temple with an old man and an old woman, each, frankly, waiting to die, but each longing to see God's promises fulfilled before they do, worshiping God night and day, praying for the salvation of God's people, is a story that we are invited into. Listen one more time to Tom Wright. In becoming your story, it will become your vocation. Everybody has their role, their own role in God's plan. For some, it will be active, obvious, working in the public eye, or perhaps preaching the gospel, or taking the love of God to meet the practical needs of the world. For others, it will be quiet, away from public view, praying faithfully for God to act in fulfillment of his promises. And for many, it will be a mixture of the two, sometimes one, sometimes the other. Mary and Joseph needed Simeon and Anna at that moment. And the old man and the old woman needed them. They had been waiting for them and now thanked God for them. Brothers and sisters, we need one another. You know, each week after communion, and we'll do it today, we thank God for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we ask God for something. We ask God and we pray. And now, Father, send us out to do the work that you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. The outflow of our worship, our coming together to feed on word and sacrament, is the work that God has given us to do, the mission that he has charged us with, to love and serve him as witnesses of Christ, to be a light to the nations and to our neighbors. In the words of the author of the letter to the Hebrews, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can we do that? Can we encourage one another? Can we spur one another on to love and good deeds? Whether we're the youngest or the oldest or somewhere in between. And this week, if you're tempted to despair or you feel like the, the desolation of our fractured nations, neighborhoods, or families is crushing or overwhelming, remember the consolation of Jesus. We have hope. Jesus is, justice is coming yeah, with Jesus. Our story 
is grafted into the story of Jesus. And we, with him and in him, are to be a light for revelation and for glory. Jesus is our consolation. He is able to help us and come alongside us. And this is good news that makes a difference. Jesus brings hope and meaning to our lives. And Jesus is my hope. He is the hope and consolation for our co-workers, our friends, and our families. Even though we may have to wait and suffer, Jesus is with us by his Holy Spirit. He is making all things new. He is our consolation. Amen? Amen. Amen.